Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome back to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast and happy Halloween or All Saints Day or All Hallows Tide if you prefer. We are back always with an interesting person making a positive change in our community. This time, very, very special guest, John Schneider. But first, to subscribe to the Mill Creek View podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcast at Mill Creek View, Tennessee. While you're there, please subscribe. It's totally free to you. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with John Schneider, a.k.a. Jonathan Kent, a.k.a. Bo Duke. John has enjoyed a successful career in country music, topping charts with his number one hits, I've Been Around Enough to Know, and You're the Last Thing I Needed Tonight. From 1984 to 1987, Schneider released six albums, including his number one album, A Memory Like You, and a Greatest Hits album. Schneider then took time off to pursue his acting opportunities, but would return with Worth the Wait in 1996. He's gone on to release two Christmas albums, including Home for Christmas with Dukes of Hazard co-star Tom Wopat. Check those out. Christmas is almost here. It would be impressive enough for an actor to star in a single show that changed the course of television history with iconic characters. But the fact that John Schneider's done that for at least four decades makes him nothing short of legendary. Whether it's playing Jim Cryer on Tyler Perry's The Haves and The Have Nots, immortalizing Superman's daddy, Jonathan Kent on Smallville, and Bo Duke on The Dukes of Hazard. His is one of the most recognized faces in all of TV. And there he is. According to some <laughs> commentary of Smallville in 2001, John was approached by some kids who said, hey, you're Jonathan Kent. It was the first time that he was recognized as someone else other than Bo Duke. He's also been seen in movies from Smokey and the Bandit, Burt Reynolds, 1977, to Joe in Christmas in Tune, co-starring Reba McIntyre, 2021, to regularly popping up on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Women, Nip Tuck, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, and even Dancing with the Stars. John Richard Schneider IV was born April 8, 1960, in Mount Kisco, New York, to Shirley and John Richard Jack Schneider III, a pilot and U.S. Air Force veteran. John began acting at the age of eight. He and his mother moved to Atlanta, Georgia, when he was 14. He won the role of Bo Duke on the Dukes of Hazard, 1979, on CBS by pretending he was a genuine country boy from Snellville, Georgia, not Smallville. <laughs> he had a week's growth of beard and, a, and held a beer can, claiming he was in his mid-20s as the role called for. Show ran from 1979 to 1985 when young Schneide was 18 years old through 25. I was 8 to 14 and never missed a Friday. Four kids, Leah, Michelle, Castle, Project One Ray, All-Stars, Camera Woman, Chasen Joseph, actor, Secret Life of American Teenager, and Karish Schneider, active duty firefighter and played Danielle in Collier and Company, and Mandy. And now he's on the Mill Creek View podcast with me. John, how are you today? My God, that was <laughs> wonderful. I have to mention one more one more beautiful child from my, my, my lovely wife, Alicia, and I, her daughter, my daughter now uh, is Jessica Turner, who's going to give uh, me a grandson. Oh boy! In March, yeah, a new role. March, Kara, well, Karis gave gave us a uh, granddaughter, so we're gonna have a grandson in March, and it's just it's just wonderful. My God, you've done your research. Thank you. 
40 years on uh, on the screen and, uh, you know, looking up to you as an eight-year-old, uh, the coolest guy I knew uh, on TV was uh, not, you know, I had to do a lot of homework and I had a lot of editing. Believe me, there was a lot more there. So I'm great. And I'm trying well, not to be a fan, you know, fanboy and freak that's out. That's okay. Like you know, it's great. It's greatly appreciated. You know, when I, when um, uh, there's some video on YouTube somewhere where somebody came up, I was at a Comic-Con, right? And, uh, they were like, they were journalism. They're the journalism class. And they wanted to interview me. And I said, oh, great. And they came up and said, okay, who are you? And what, what do you do? And I said, look, pal. I said, first of all, if you're in journalism school, really, then do your research. Figure out who it is you're talking to. Because you never want to say something like that to someone like me or really anybody. So anyway, it was like people were saying, oh, my gosh, you were mean. So there was this video about John Schneider, Jonathan Kent being kind of uh, abrupt yeah. with this guy. <laughs> 10 years later, I'm, I'm doing a news show in, uh, some, I don't remember where I was, but the person that was interviewing me on the news show said, look, I want to tell you, I'm the guy that you read the riot act to. And had you not done that to me, I never would be where I am today. Look at you giving advice, fatherly advice. Well, it was advice, but it was, it, it was not, uh, I didn't sugarcoat it because because I don't. You know, I'm from I'm from New York. Funny thing about me, I'm from Westchester County, New York, which is arguably the most one of the most confusing counties electorally in our world today. And when I moved to Atlanta with my mother, she worked for IBM. Where did I go to high school? So I was born in Westchester County, New York, and I went to high school in Fulton County, Georgia arguably the uh, first or second most confused county in our country today, <laughs> not to get into politics. Yeah. And you're not confused. You know, I, I just remember I had your vinyl album uh, right next to Elvis and Greece. So, you know, that's oh how, my gosh. you know, and Alicia and I did 14 other albums while we were uh, in our eight years, we did 14 albums. And um, I honestly don't remember if it was nine or 11 films. Yeah, I have that? the details. We're going to get into all of that, but I wanted to start off on a different note. Um, co you co-founded with Marie Osmond the Children's Miracle Network charity organization yes. in 1993, and I just want people to know how huge that is. That organization helps children by raising funds for children's hospitals around the United States, a nonprofit. It was 1983. Oh, did, I, we're I 40 that. years. Yeah, it's okay. I, I just want to, because I, I want people to understand how, how yeah. long we've been doing this. So we actually... Uh, the first telethon was in, in 1983, but it was uh, it was founded, you know, you have to file paperwork and do things for a 501c3 in uh, 82. So that that uh, organization is now 40 years old. Wow. And uh, I'm very, very proud of it. We've raised a little bit over eight billion dollars. That was what I was getting. Yeah, that is unbelievable. That that does the work. And if it wasn't for that Children's Miracle Network, uh, four-star rating, so it's legit, no question about it, um, worthy cause, 170 facilities. So congratulations yep. to you. We raised uh, raise money for 170 children's hospitals all across the United States and Canada. And what it is, is basically we know how to, uh, we know how to organize people who are already kind of organized. We know, we know how to manage people who are organized and help them raise funds better for their own local children's hospital. So it's uh, it's been remarkable. I meet uh, I meet children who were children or people who were children way back in the beginning uh, who now have children of their own. 
who wouldn't be alive if it weren't for the funds raised by Children's Miracle Network. So it it really is a, uh, it's a wonderful part of my life. Uh, and I'm, I'm very delighted to, to remember and say that I was 22 years old when we founded it. That's right. I was going to wonder. That's pretty cool. And Marie was, Marie was pretty young too, right? You guys were (laughs) just a little bit older than me. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit older than me. Just a little bit older. I I tell her all the time. I say, you know, the difference between you and I, and she says, male and female. I said, no, I grew up watching you. Ah, that's great. That's a good one. (laughs) She doesn't like that very much, but you know, she's like my sister. So it's okay. You were so young in the 80s. I mean, you you wrote and directed several episodes of Dukes of Hazard, and you did your own stunts, including driving. Why? How would well, they even let you do well, that? Well, let's, let's give credit where credit's due. I drove the car a lot, but I never jumped it. I didn't, I didn't jump the car. We had, um, my gosh, we probably had 15 different stuntmen and women who worked on the show all the time. So I did not jump a car until after I turned 50. And I did that right here at John Schneider Studios with Alicia Elaine Schneider as the producer of that movie. And that movie is called Christmas Cars. But fights and all that kind of stuff, I did do all that. But I would be doing a a, a tremendous group of wonderfully talented, daring people, a tremendous disservice if I said I did my own stunts and dukes i did some of my own no stunts. question you did the jumping over the hood of the car and all that do you are you well yes i down? did slide over the hood of the car but you know <laughs> what could go wrong for anyone but the car you know? right. <laughs> are, you, t- are you paying the price friendly. now any uh any um, no 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 okay. and i'm gonna jump i've got one more jump to do uh we're making a uh we did three movies that were um the first one was a tribute to smoking the bandit called stand on it we did a sequel to that called Poker Run, and then we're doing a the third installment is called Double or Nothing. Uh, and I've already jumped the car once for that, but I have to jump it one more time. And that's going to be at the uh, at the Nashville Speedway in Nashville, Tennessee. Right. So not far, not far from you. Not sure when I'm going to do that, but uh, I'm going to jump the car probably 100 and hopefully 150 to 175 feet. Wow. And it's going to be great fun. And that is a, uh, a a 2016 Hellcat Challenger that has T-tops cut in it. So it'll look like the Smoking the Bandit Trans Am. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Well, speaking of that, I actually, that's a great segue because uh, one of the creatives behind Dukes was James Best, the actor who played uh, Roscoe P. Roscoe. Coltrane. He, he told you, at least this is a rumor, uh, to play Bo like Burt Reynolds, who you got to act with in Bandit, and he was also uh, in Hooper with Burt Reynolds. He was also, um, well, we all know that's about the classic love uh, of the unknown stuntman. Uh, every boy I knew growing up loved Bandit and Bo Duke for the same reasons, <laughs> and cars. Uh, so I read James was considered your best friend, and and you were a pallbearer at his funeral. Is that is that all true? He was. I I was not actually. I would I would have loved to have been. I would have been honored to have been. But no, I was, and he would be delighted. I was working. So, <laughs> um, Jimmy was also in uh, the end. Yeah, he with was Dom in, um, Yeah, he was in a lot of movies, but he he and Bert were very very close. And uh, when I when I was in Smoking the Bandit, <clears throat> I don't want to give the wrong impression here either, because I was 16 years old 
And as you said, I did when I auditioned for Dukes, I, I came in and I told them I was from the rural South and I, I brought in a six pack of beer and I'm actually from Westchester County, New York. I told them I was 24. I was 18. But the only reason I had the nerve. Oh, and I also told them I came in first in my class at the Georgia School of High Performance Driving, which didn't exist, <laughs> but there was no Internet. The reason I had the nerve to do that is because when I was 16, I heard that Burt Reynolds was in town in Atlanta filming at the uh, at the um, Lakewood Fairgrounds, a movie called Smokey and the Bandit. So I skipped school and I went down and I, I parked my car in the dirt, jumped over a fence, found a guy with a radio and tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late, but but uh, I on, uh, traffic on I-85 is a bear. Where's hair and makeup? And uh, I got in. I, I got into the Holy of Holies. I spent the whole day. Nobody knew what to do with me, but I spent the whole day with Jackie Gleason that oh my day, gosh. who was living at the time he was doing Smoking the Bandit in Westchester County, New York. So he came from my hometown to do Smoking the Bandit. So when we started talking about Mount Kisco and Katona and Bedford Hills. He was like, "Come on, kids, sit down, talk to me for a while." So I'm just I'm just in it at the end when the credits freeze a, a tire falls off of uh, Jackie's car and hits a long tall gangly John Schneider in the in the shin. So that's all I am in Smoking the Bandit. <laughs> but I got in and I didn't get kicked out and I didn't get arrested. Yeah, and look how and close that to great gave me the nerve to tell a, a, a tall tale again when the Dukes of Hazard audition came around. Fantastic. Well, you you had a brush with greatness, literally. So that's I did. Fantastic. The great one. <laughs> the great Jackie Gleason was fantastic. And then years, you know, Burt Reynolds became a dear friend of mine, as did Hal Needham, who wrote and directed Smoking the Bandit. And both of them remember that kid nobody knew what to do with, uh, who almost got a second AD fired. So another Hollywood legend about you, sir, is that you got your start as a, magi a magician performing tricks for classmates and that you once had yourself chained up and tossed into the family swing pool like Houdini's escape act. I'm sure your mother was not happy with you. Did she was happen? not happy. I, I waited until she got home from work. Uh, and it was a swimming pool. At a, I don't want to give you a false impression about my upbringing either, because it was a swimming pool at the apartments we were living in. Okay. And uh, I was chained up and tied up and handcuffed and padlocked. And uh, my mom got back from IBM and said, Mom, watch this. And boom, <laughs> I dove into the pool. And, uh, and I got out, obviously, because we're talking about it. But she was not happy with me. <laughs> she was not happy. I think she said something along the lines of, if you had drowned, I'd have killed you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly killed your magician career, but you went on to other things. Well, so I'm still, I'm still a, I'm, still a, uh, I'm a, a lifetime member of the Magic Castle. So well, look at that. All right. Yeah. I've, and I've, and I've, five I haven't time... done much of it lately. I, sh I should. I really love magic, but it's far away, actually. Yeah. Five. Well, five in fact, time... let me let me tell you one thing. When um, when Boss Hog would do do things with cards on the Dukes, it was usually my hands. Really? Because I was, you know, I was 18, 19, 20 years old. I was really dexterous at that point. Not so much anymore. But uh, but I did that. The last episode of Dukes that I wrote and directed was all about Roscoe. It was called Opening Night at the Boar's Nest. It was all about Roscoe, the great Coltrano, 
making Boss Hogg disappear from this box that he had ordered mail order. So the very last episode of Dukes was all about magic because of my uh, upbringing uh, and my love for magic. Well, look at that. Amazing. All right. Well, uh, you also five time, this is amazing, five time chart topping country artists with over 20 albums to your credit, including well over 100 new songs since returning to the recording studio in just 2016, yeah. writing, directing and starring in a multitude of movies like a renaissance man. How'd you find the time? Well, when you're following your dream, I mean, you make the time. You just make the time. Um, and when Alicia and I were making movies, it was, uh, it's all we did. I mean, we, we lived a wonderful life. We loved, but she loved what she did. She used to run Robert Evans company, who was the president of Paramount. Um, so we, we somehow stretched 40 hours into every day, loved every minute of everything we did, loved each other passionately and wonderfully, um, and shared a dream. So it's one thing to have a dream and chase a dream, but it's an entirely different thing to be equally yoked with someone who has the same dream who, who, with whom you can chase that dream together. So we did those 14 albums. I did one since she passed away in February. I did, I did a brand new album for her called We're Still Us which comes out on uh, what I call Orange Friday in honor of the General Lee, which is right at the Friday after Thanksgiving. So see how it all kind of ties together? I do. But, um, you know, they say if uh, if you love your work, you never work a day in your life. And, and uh, if you add to that, not only if you love your work, but you love who you're working with, you'll never work a day in your life. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I took off your website. Alicia and I are truly the masters of our own destiny. Sink or swim. We live, we lived a lot of life. We enjoy everything or we wouldn't do it. Most of everything we've discussed, you did your wife and executive producer, every, uh, most everything you've, we've discussed already, you did with your wife, executive producer, Alicia Elaine on mm -hmm. Twitter. Just last week, you reposted my center, my everything, my smile. And that was from February 21, 2023. She went to heaven. Uh, from her obituary, Alicia was a force that inspired others. She was kind and gracious to all she met. She always put herself last. She was very protective of her parents. She was mama bear that protected all her cubs. She was a fighter until the end. Alicia will be missed mightily. Uh, from everything I could tell, about her she's with jesus and and you'll be together yep. again one day um you collaborated on more than 100 songs several films what what's next for you without her well the two the two things that had to be done this year uh it they're still with her it's it's so it's so unusual there's some promises made um the first first was uh we're still us the album which obviously she didn't know anything about that's my tribute to her and my medicine for people who are on what I call this, this, uh, the same road, the road of grief, the road of, of losing a spouse. And yet losing is an odd term because I, I didn't lose her. I know exactly where she is. Right. And I know exactly right. where I'm going and I know hers will be the first hand I touch when I get there. Mm -hmm. But she was writing a book about cancer and about, about being in the, in charge of your own diagnosis and uh we race dirt track cars so the book is called in the driver's seat 
So the very first thing that I, I believe God touched me on the shoulder and said, do not let that book go away. You finish that book because there's a lot of important information in there. So Jessica, our daughter, and myself, uh, and a dear friend of ours named Jamie Blaine, finished that book. And that book will also be out on uh, on Orange Friday. Uh, go to johnschneiderstudios.com. And um, it's 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 about a lot of things uh, being in the in the driver's seat, certainly, but it's also about redefining victory. Because truth is, every prayer we we prayed about Alicia's health and Alicia's pain was answered. She is pain free. She's healthier than she has ever been. She's dancing. She's loving, and and uh, and she misses me, but. She's more patient than I am because, you know, <laughs> she's in a she's in a world where perhaps there is no time. But it's uh, it's so tough. It's so tough. I don't know how people without faith, if people truly thought they lost their spouse and they they had no no notion that they would ever see them again. They had no belief in eternity. I, I don't know how I don't know how in the world they make it. Um, so, all of that being said, um, I am uh, I'm writing this this third installment of Stand on It Poker Run Double or Nothing. I'm writing that. Okay. Um, also, she and I were working on a uh, a, a script that was our love story that that now is still our love story, but it has to change a bit. And I'm almost at the point in my soul where I can do this. Almost. You know, it hasn't been a year yet. Right. And I'm told that uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, that the three holidays coming up right now are the hardest, yeah. especially the first year. Um, so after that, I, I believe I'll tackle uh, doing the the screenplay that she and I were working on, which is called Winner Take All. Right. Um, and of course, so I'll do that, you know, so I, I, I have to uh, I have to do that. And then I have to do some music that's not about grief. You know, I, I had to do this music about about grief and about the hereafter and about, you know, somewhere down the road, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be together again. Um, had to do that to honor her. I live to honor her um, and really to to help other people who are on this, on this road. Cause it's, it's tough. It's, you, you cannot explain it to someone who's not on it. It's yeah. like trying to, uh, trying to describe yellow to, uh, to a blind person. You just, it's, it's next to impossible. I won't say it's impossible because I think, I believe all things are possible. Um, I bet the I bet the music will definitely go a long way to, to help do that and especially make you happy. Um, and of course, you know, with all this talent of yours, you wrote a book in your own downtime. Uh, and we writing is very hard. 2019 memoir, My Life, My Way. Uh, a reviewer on Amazon named Cyrus Webb, hello Cyrus, said, "I love how the how he tells his story, but also shares his truth and views about life, success, relationships, and even." the controversies such as around the flag. Through it all, he is open, forthright, and reflective, and that is what makes this book well worth the time to read. 
What would you want to tell a 10-year-old Schneidy to get out of your book? Schneidy. <laughs> I love that. You know, that's what uh, Annette O'Toole from uh, Smallville called me. Schneidy. <laughs> um, well, you know, my 10-year-old was pretty, was pretty focused, was pretty focused. I've always had uh, what Denver Pyle, my dear Uncle Jesse from Dukes of Hazard. Uh, he said, you know what you have, John? And I said, what's that? He said, you have the strength of your ignorance. Don't ever lose it. And I looked at him like, okay, I think I know what that means. And he said, he said, uh, you, he said, every day, because you, for some reason, you don't seem to know how impossible what you do every day is. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever, don't, don't ever look at something and think it's an insurmountable task. Because as far as, and he was talking to like a 20, 20 year old said, as far as I can tell, you don't think anything is impossible. And I don't, and I didn't at, at 20, I didn't at 10. Um, so I, I would tell my 10 year old, you're on the right track. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and, and is that what the book does for folks? Is, is yeah, I think so. The, yeah, the, okay. book is a, the book encourages people to dream and dream big. Um, we did a movie, uh, it's, it's a very dark movie in bad language, but it's I, I, I'm a fan of it. We did a movie called Anderson Bench. And uh, at one point, the, the ingenue looks at Anderson and, and uh, he had just said, you know, that's a pretty big dream you've got there. And she said, there's no much, not much sense in having a small one. So if you're going to dream, and I highly recommend it, dream big. Dream well, you, bigger than you can even imagine. You had a um, very ambitious project uh, called the Odyssey 2018 which yeah. released one song a week. I think Paul Liam was your producer. Uh, uh, 2019 Paul Southern Lime. Rock, Rock inspired. Okay, of course. Paul yeah. Lyme and Alicia. Uh, Southern Rock yeah. inspired album, uh, Redneck Rebel, and a deeply personal inspirational album, Recycling Grace. Oh. I don't think you sleep. <laughs> Am I, I wrong? Actually do. I actually do. I sleep, I sleep pretty good. Wow. But I... Uh, um, I work, I work fairly efficiently, you know, cause I, I, I work because I'm, when I write, I'm like ravenous. I've got to do this when I record and it's not because of a deadline. It's just because I love it. You know, I can't wait to hear this music because I can hear it in my head. I can't wait to be able to share it with you. Oh. So, uh, but, but I will tell you that when Alicia and I met, I had done the music before and, and I was not very excited about it. But when we lost everything in 2016 on our second flood of 2016, uh, she found me playing a guitar in the living room, which had been flooded. And uh, when she came in to talk to me, I put the guitar down. She said, why do you do that? And I said, well, playing the guitar, you know, when things are all gone to hell in a handbag, they make me feel better. And she said, or it makes me feel better. And she said, no, 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 I didn't ask you uh, why you picked it up. I asked you why you ever put it down because you're obviously so happy when you play it. From that moment on, she said, we're going to do the Odyssey project. We're not going to do one CD. We're not going to do 10 songs. Everybody who listens to country music, everybody who does country music knows your music from the 80s. So we're going to remind them about why your music is so great. We're going to put out a song every Tuesday of next year. 
so we better get in the studio. Wow. So I tell you what, when uh, when uh, when two people are that in sync, it's God. You know, God put those two souls together without question. Because we did more, we did more in any one of our eight years together than most people do in a lifetime. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, truly. Um, and, and you don't do that without God. You really don't. And the and the stuff that we did is really good. Really, really good. I I would put any any movie or any song we ever cut up against any any movie or any song ever made. Yeah, I hope people really check it out, especially those who didn't know this existed in the first place. This is a big yeah. deal. And, and JohnSchneiderStudios.com or get my app. I have an app. And whose fault is that? Alicia. Alicia. The John uh, Schneider app. You can so download. So whose fault is 10,000 fans traveling annually to your 58-acre compound uh, in Holden, Louisiana for bow extravaganza? What's that all about? That's uh, That's Alicia's fault, too. That's my birthday party. <laughs> She, uh, that's my birthday party. And I had told her that Willie Nelson did uh, Willie Nelson's birthday bash. I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but uh, uh, I was in the first and second farm aids. And uh, I had mentioned that to her and she would like a little light bulb went off. She said, hmm, we can do that here. So we had uh, Kix Brooks play here. We had the Bellamy brothers play here. We had Kid Rock play here. You know, we've uh, uh, we've we've done a lot of stuff here. But but she ran that too. I'm telling you, she ran that too. Will it continue? It was a remember. She ran Robert Evans' office, Robert Evans' world, and Robert Evans was the president of Paramount. He did the Cotton Club. He did the Godfather. He did Chinatown. He did Harold and Maude, Rosemary's Baby. So we're talking about some serious chops here. You don't get to you don't get to run that man's world unless you've really got your act together that's the woman that i married and so will that continue will what will, will that continue will you still i have think i did it i did it this year it was hard it was hard to do it this yeah. year um but i i believe i'll do it next year april is a ways away uh and a lot of uh what i'm noticing is that there is a um the grief doesn't go away um, but kind of like in a gym, you know, when you first get to a gym, a 45, a 45 pound plate is extremely heavy, but the more you lift it, the stronger you get with it. It's still a 45 pound plate, but your ability to carry it around gets a little bit better. Yeah. So, uh, by the I'm time I get to, uh, February when I'll really have to make a decision about Bo's extravaganza, and that will be the year anniversary of, of my beautiful bride's passing. Um, I, I think I'm hoping that that 45 pound plate will be a little bit easier to carry around and, uh, I, I will do Bo's extravaganza, but no promises yet. Okay. Well, get my app, my app will tell you, yeah. John Schneider. So the machine, as you called it, um, ever since you broke ties with the machine, uh, you actually smashed sales records on DVD via the John Schneider studios.com, which you plug twice that's awesome i just did it for you storefront <laughs> there'll be another one and mm. spearheaded the streaming service sinflixdod.com so yes that's still going on you like people to be directed to that oh yeah so uh cineflix dod digital on demand cineflix digital on demand um why 
in the world we live in, why in the world would I sign some distribution deal with some company that's going to lie to me, right? I have I I I did one film that I got a standard, and I was delighted. I got a standard distribution deal on a film I did uh, with Kane Hodder and Bill Mosley and uh, Ari Mihailov and Malcolm Daynar and Don Shanks. And it's a horror, it's a gruesome horror comedy called mm -hmm. Smothered. Made one deal nine years ago and haven't made a dime. Have not made a single dime. And that's the only film I had investors in too. So not only have I not made anything back, but the people who believed in me have not made anything back. And that movie has been distributed worldwide. Worldwide. So these people, IndyCan, by the way, independent filmmakers, if you are uh, if you are paying attention and you are about to, to pop open a beer because you just got a deal with IndyCan, tear it up, drink the beer anyway, but tear up that deal because you don't want it. You don't want it. Um, there. Sue me. Call a lawyer and sue me. Sue me. So since then, um, we started making our own films and distributing them ourselves, not only in DVD form, but we've started a streaming service called Cineflix DOD. So that has been fantastic, fantastic to us. We don't make millions of dollars. But we're an independent film studio. We don't spend millions of dollars on a movie. You know, we spend we spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars on a movie, but that's a lot easier to make back yeah. than millions of dollars, certainly. To, was, so that, was that we, to die for, John? To die for? To die for, yeah, to die for, you can go to todieformovie.com. And uh, that'll take you to the to Cineflix. Be, you'll see the other movies there as well. But that'll take you directly to Cineflix. You can uh, stream it right now, uh, or you can order the DVD. My the folks that uh, that are familiar with me still like to have a tangible item, so you can <laughs> order the DVD by itself. I don't have one sitting here. DVD by itself, DVD autographed, or the DVD autographed and personalized. Three different prices, okay? Sure. Okay. It is an independent film, but I guarantee you the money that we make off of that movie, which we've done really, really well with that one, goes to make the next one. Because I don't want to I don't want to stick my hand back in the machine. I know what will happen. It that will be about you playing a reclusive veteran who gets arrested because he refuses to take the American flag off the back of his El Camino. Um, Correct. That, that machine that you talk about, um, the Warner Brothers turned into the CW's Smallville during those 10 years. 10 years. Wow. Uh, right. You were Superman's dad. Uh, ever since that year-long process to merge Discovery Inc. with Warner Media, which was spun off from AT&T and, frankly, their awful DC Comics movies um, compared to Disney and Marvel. What do you make of studios in general as they get more and more corporate? Well, it's... It's never a good idea. I, I call them non-creatives. It's never a good idea to put non-creatives in a creative or, or give them creative power or creative control because screenplays come from some guy, some girl, some team who has the, they've been inspired by some wonderful or tragic thing or scary thing. But suffice it to say, they've been inspired by something and they sit down and they write a screenplay. 
And then someone who is creative reads it and goes, wow, this is fantastic. I want to, I want to develop this a little further. So let's put some money behind it. And then they take it to somebody that has the money and no creative sense whatsoever, but feels like, forgive me for saying this, but every, every dog needs to pee on the tree. So you've had inspiration that went to someone who's familiar with inspiration to now the first person who is just a, a nuts and bolts sort of person. And from that point on, it usually only touches non-creative people as it gets developed into something it never was in the first place. It's kind of, what is that game, uh, play around a campfire, a telephone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you say something to the person next to you, and by the time it gets back to you, it, it doesn't even, it doesn't resemble the original thing that you said. That's what happens with a screenplay. Um, and that's why they're, they're so hard to watch because so many non-creative people have, have, have the right to touch them. So to me, it's, it's the enemy of creativity. Independent filmmaking, independent music is where, is where real stories are told. Um, and I think anyone who's watching us right now, anyone who's listening right now, will agree that they're more surprised when a studio film is good yeah. than they are when it's not. Can I it give you a case in point? That way. Can I give What's you a case that? in point? Can I give you a case in point on that? Give me a case in point. So speaking of Warner Brothers, you yeah. and Tom Wopat and my first crush, uh, Catherine Bach, um, ah. maybe tied with Linda Carter. I don't know. Don't tell her. Uh, no, Bach was my my one. Uh, you were all offered roles in the Dukes of Hazard movie, but all said no. IMDb says uh, because the script was hated by all three of you. Is that true? That uh, is Warner true. Brothers yeah, Warner Brothers did that one, and but Willie Nelson and Burt Reynolds were fun to watch. But what this is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm talking about. They they destroyed it. They didn't understand the uh, the source material. They didn't take the time to to. Uh, I tell you, the only reason Burt was in that was because he was a big friend of Dukes because of Jimmy Best, and he was a big fan of Dukes. He wanted someone who who cared about the source material to be in that movie. Because uh, he didn't want, uh, and I'm not saying anything bad about Danny DeVito or John Goodman, but if John Goodman or Danny DeVito had played Boss Hogg, they would have been as bad as Costner in the in the uh, in the Superman movie. You should have been that. I say that out loud. I did. <laughs> didn't get it. He did not understand Jonathan Kent. You should have been Jonathan Kent, all. which you already I should were. Have, I should have years. been. I, I yeah. truly should have been. But Jessica yeah. Simpson was no Catherine Bach, I'll tell you. And the zero one didn't have a flag on the roof. So fake. No, I think it did. On the, no, I the, think the flag was on the roof. I think the flag. It? I forget. I don't now. think they took that off. I don't think I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but I don't. I don't think they were that balls because then no one would have seen it. Yeah, totally but forgettable. Would have seen an ad for it, and not a single Dukes of Hazard fan would have gone <laughs> to see it. But yeah, so that went through the non-creative. Uh, the non-creative machine, and what came out was uh, was was just uh, offensive. You know, Dukes was not an offensive show. Dukes was a was a, a moral show with horsepower and a pretty girl who didn't know she was. The reason why you're such a fan of Catherine Box, Daisy Duke, is because Daisy Duke never had any notion that she was sexy or beautiful or anything but a tomboy who could outshoot us with a bow and arrow 
she couldn't outdrive us. You know, she might have believed that she could, but she couldn't. The but, wardrobe uh, person might have had a thing or two to, to do with that too, but that's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and why in the world they the cast folks. Jessica? You know, Daisy oh, was yeah. the brunette. Why would you cast a blonde to play a, a brunette's role? I, I like you said, the wouldn't you cast a blonde to play Raquel in the life story of Raquel Welch? You just wouldn't do that. Do that. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah, the creators the my point. were not there. But the good news is Dukes of Hazard stars to reunite at Gallatin Comic Con. Dukes of Hazard star Tom Wopat, Luke Duke, will reunite with his former hit TV series co-stars John Schneider, that's you, and that's Catherine me. Buck, Daisy Duke, that's her, at the 2023 Gallatin Comic Con on November 11th through 12th, beginning at 10 a.m., at the Gallatin Civic Center. Are you going to be there? Is that all true? I'm going to be there. I, I'm going to be there. Yes, you betcha. I'm going to be there. And by the way, I have to throw this out. It's another thing. Saturday night, the 11th, uh, there's an organization called Meet and Celebrity Meet and Eat.com. Celebrity Meet and Eat. And uh, I'm going to have uh, 20 of my closest new friends. Uh, will be part of that. So check that out, celebritymeetandeat.com. It's just me. It's not Tom and Catherine. It's just me. Tom and Kathy and I will be at the Gallatin Comic Con Saturday and Sunday, but the meet and eat is just me. Just Bo. All right. Well, just Mr. Bo. Schneider, uh, thank you for your time. We love you. Uh, we are at the end here. So please tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you, your social media, if you do that. You told sure, us about your sure. site, but the tell greatest- us again. The easiest thing to do is get my app because it'll take you to it'll take you to Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Go to the App Store, John Schneider. That's it. It's free. It'll work on your laptop or on your uh, iPhone or on your Android, and it'll tell you everything I'm up to. So I would greatly appreciate that. Well, thanks again for coming on with us. I hope to uh, meet you and shake the hands of you and all your cast, and maybe even have you sign my copy of My Life, My Way. And um, can you, happy can you send us off with the yeehaw? I don't have anybody to scare in here, right? Okay, it's loud. And by the way, it's yee-ha, not yee-haw. No, that's spelled wrong. Yee-ha. I wrote it down, H-A-A. So I appreciate that. You got much. it right. And you said it right. It's great. It's great. I thank you, my friend. I look forward to meeting you in person. Thank you, sir. Bye, everybody. If you're like me and sick of the woke, unfunny content coming out of Hollywood these days and looking for something new and exciting, I found the website for you, movienight.com. The folks at movienight.com, that's movienight, one word, .com, has the first universal loyalty program that offers businesses like yours the opportunity to attract customers with their exclusive lineup of world-class titles. Titles like Daddy Daughter Trip with Rob Schneider, Triumph with Terrence Howard, and Nefarious, last year's blockbuster hit. Movie Night was founded to positively impact society through media. Check it out at movienight.com and enjoy the show. I don't Welcome to the Stephen C. segment of our show, where we cover what we just heard. Producer Steve, I am just on heaven's door, whatever you want to say, uh, on cloud nine. What did you think of our guest, Jonathan Kent, Bo Duke? Uh, he's wonderful. Um, 
I was the one who said you ought to get him on here, and I'll tell you why. So I used to produce a show called Horsepower, Chrome, and Rust, and it was all about cars. Did that for three years, a podcast. And I heard that John was going to do Stand On It, which was his movie, uh, his send-up to uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. So I contacted him, and I, it took me a couple, two or three months, and I, I think I worked through his wife, to be honest. And he agreed, and we had him on for about 25 minutes, 30 minutes. And we had a wonderful time. He was interviewing in a Corvette. They, he had just bought it for his wife, Alicia. And he was outside the restaurant where the rest of the his friends and they were um, eating. And so I knew, I knew that you would have a wonderful time with John because he, he, he's had a, a storied life. And he oh, keeps coming yeah. back out. And, 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 and yet I think Alicia and him were the bonding that needed to be there for his life and directed his um, energies with a dual purpose and uh, to give glory to God and to enjoy a wife who had the same vision. So what you know, a wonderful a famous thing. line in Hollywood lore that says uh, there are no second acts in Hollywood. And I think John is um, on his sixth or seventh. So yeah, yeah. yeah, he is the exception to the rule. All right. That was great. Uh, deep breath, switching gears. Okay. We have a new speaker of the house. He's been there a week and voted no twice on more money for Ukraine, so I like him already. Uh, let's hear how the ginger from the Kremlin, Jen Psaki, introduced him to her audience. Loading, loading. This trick will save you oh. thousands of dollars on high energy bills. Get Alarmed by gas shortages and high. Minutes to talk about this new speaker. First glance, Mike Johnson does seem fine, fine-ish. Conservative, yes, but he once started a civility caucus with a Democrat. And I mean, if nothing else, he wears a suit and has glasses. How threatening can this guy actually be? Well, he gave us all a little clue as to how he would govern in an interview this week. I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's a curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. You heard that right. The Bible doesn't just inform his worldview, it is his worldview. In fact, during his first speech in his new job, Johnson suggested that his election as speaker was an act of God. Talk about a bit of a humble brag there. So what exactly has God apparently called on Mike Johnson to do? Well, his views on policy are essentially what you'd expect from a religious fundamentalist. They're more divisive than they are divine. Oh, I guess she wouldn't get along with the uh, founding fathers of our country, would she, Steve? Yeah, the Bible is his worldview. Is that funny? Oh, gosh. Is Jen Psaki, the communist, funny? I don't understand. I mean, uh, it's, I, I think a biblical worldview is fantastic. We we need more of that in this world. Yes, um, we but do. Now this, now this is funny. Clip number two, just 12 seconds. Starving witty elite meat to drink. Uh, yeah, hello, is Mike there? Last name, Rutch. Hold on, I'll check. My crotch! My crotch. Hey, has anybody seen my crotch lately? <laughs> <laughs> okay, different last name, but I thought that was funny. Um, check this out. The day the delusions died. A lot of people woke up on October 7th, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, as progressives and went to bed that night feeling like conservatives. What changed? 
by Constantine Kissin, October 22nd, 2023. I don't know this guy's work, but I'm going to find out a lot more. He wrote this, when Hamas terrorists crossed over the border with Israel and murdered 1,400 innocent people, they destroyed families and entire communities. They also shattered long-held delusions in the West. A friend of mine joked that she woke up on October 7th as a liberal and went to bed that evening as a 65-year-old conservative, but it wasn't really a joke and she wasn't the only one. What changed? The best way to answer that question is with the help of Thomas Sowell, one of the most brilliant public intellectuals alive today. I agree. In 1987, Sowell published A Conflict of Visions. In this now classic, he offered a simple and powerful explanation of why people disagree about politics. We disagree about politics, Sowell argues, because we disagree about human nature. We see the world through one of two competing visions, each of which tells a radically different story about human nature. Will this wake-up moment persist? It depends in large part on our courage to look reality in the face. As Sowell explained, when you went when you want to help people, you tell them the truth. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. And the truth is that we have indulged in magical thinking for too long, choosing comforting myths over harsh realities about terrorism, about immigration, and about a host of other issues. In our hunger for progress, we have forgotten that not all change is for the better. Now the world is paying the price for that self-indulgence. Let's hope recent events are the wake-up call we so desperately need. Constantine, Constantine Kissin is the co-host of the podcast Trigonometry. My wife listens to that. I think I will start to. Has a substack uh, also. Uh, the economy. Treasury to borrow $776 billion in the final three months of the year from our great, great, great grandkids if we survive. That part's from me. In a closely watched announcement Monday afternoon, the Treasury Department said it will be looking to borrow $776 billion. The Treasury said it expects to borrow $816 billion between January and March. That's like a trillion right there in three months. The announcement comes 10 days after the government said the fiscal 2023 budget deficit would be about $1.7 trillion. Love inflation? Like not being able to uh, fight wars in the Middle East, Ukraine, and maybe Taiwan at the same time? Well, thank a politician in D.C. for that and a college. With a $2 trillion deficit this year, Washington's fiscal failure is worse than you think by Christopher Jacobs in The Federalist. The federal government ran a deficit of $1 trillion in 2022, which jumped to $2 trillion in 2023. Why did I say college? After Supreme Court struck down loan forgiveness. In the 12 fiscal months that ended on September 30th, the federal deficit effectively doubled compared to 2022, and the fact that Washington would run such high deficits in comparatively good economic times speaks to both the structural problems driving those deficits and the dangers those structural flaws pose to our nation's fiscal future. If you thought Washington had any sense of fiscal discipline, and really, who would ever put the words Washington and sense in the same sentence, no. the fact the facts on the recently concluded fiscal year should put that notion to rest. Many headlines reported that the federal government ran only a $1.7 trillion deficit last fiscal year, but the effective deficit was higher, and using a small number in headlines obscures the reality of our deficit problem. The accounting issue behind the discrepancy involves the government's giveaway in the form of student loan forgiveness, which President Biden proposed last year. In June, the Supreme Court struck down this problem, 
sorry, this program, which is a problem, as unconstitutional. However, the federal government recorded savings on its books of $321 billion because the Biden administration could not spend this money on their giveaway. From the accounting standpoint, Washington ran a roughly $1.4 trillion deficit in 2022 and a $1.7 trillion deficit this year. But if you considered the $321 billion it spent when the Biden administration first announced its forgiveness plan in 2022 and the $320 billion it saved when the Supreme Court struck that plan down, the federal government actually ran a deficit of $1 trillion in 2022, which jumped to $2 trillion in fiscal 2023. Mr. Jacobs concludes... Fittering away the nation's future is the worst kind of gift Americans can give their descendants, yet without significant reform, and soon, the next generation will almost certainly face a financial future bleaker than that of their parents. Chris Jacobs is founder and CEO of Juniper Research Group and author of the book, The Case Against Single Payer. So obviously he's biased. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard, dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. Hey, my name is Amy Souza. I am a women's rights activist uh, and workshop leader, and you are listening to the Mill Creek View podcast. Trick or treat, and here's my thoughts for the day. Uncle Jesse, guy came out of an antique shop carrying a big grandfather's clock. Bumped into this drunk, broke the clock. Guy said, why don't you watch where you're going? The drunk says, why don't you carry a wristwatch like everybody else? Uncle Jesse, you know what happens when a politician takes Viagra? He gets taller. Those are from Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Each show had a narrator. They called him the balladeer. Just so happens to have been Waylon Jennings, 16 number one albums and Country Music Hall of Fame. So the balladeer said, Jesse Duke has been to two places in his life, Hazard County and Korea. As far as he's concerned, that's one place too many. You know, that's a certain creek that people sometimes canoe up without a paddle. You could say the Duke boys were on that particular creek right now. There's trouble and then there's trouble. And the trouble with some trouble is at first, it don't look like trouble. Man, I'll tell you, the day they passed out good luck, old Bo and Luke must have been fishing. If it wasn't for bad luck, the Dukes wouldn't have any luck at all. And Waylon Jennings line about Boss Hog, he was as happy as a rat trapped in a corn crib because he would have to eat his way out. It's Halloween night. There are tons of things written about All Hallows' Eve. Here are just a few quick notes to broaden your wisdom. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor saints. Soon after, All Saints Day came to incorporate some of the traditions of Samhain. Samhain was the druid god of death. 
The Druids, ancient Celtic polytheic priest, believed in the supernatural and tried to placate the Lord of Death with offerings. Samhain was first observed by Celtic pagans. Samhain marked the Celtic New Year, the end of summer, and the end of the harvest season. It also signaled the beginning of winter, which they associated with death. On this day, the Celts believed the veil between the living and the dead was especially thin. On Halloween's past, when it was believed that ghosts came back to the earth, worldly people thought that they would encounter them if they left their homes. To avoid being recognized by them, people would wear masks when they left their homes after dark so that the ghost would mistake them for fellow spirits. I've chosen to stick with candy and costumes and a fire pit uh, and choose to celebrate the life and joy of the little ones who dress up like superheroes or ballerinas. Adults spoil everything. Enjoy your family and friends. We're in the holiday season. And that is it for this episode. Thank you, John Schneider, for reminding us Jesus loves us and the South will rise again. Yeehaw! And God bless his wife, Alicia, in heaven. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. Peace in our time. And G2G, let's go out with John Schneider singing that iconic Waylon Jennings song, Good Old Boys. Just a good old boy. That's John. Never meaning no harm. Yep. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Straightening the curves. Riding the hills. Someday the mountain might get them, but the law never will. <laughs> Making their way. Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.